Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, The Second Coming of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 9 part of verse 26 27 and 28 I I want to translate this because we cannot depend on the NIV translation so part of verse 26 but now he was manifested speaking about the first coming now he was manifested Manifested in his birth, manifested in his life, manifested especially in his death on the cross, and manifested in his resurrection. The Father manifested him to the world in these ways. But now he was manifested once for all at the end of the ages, and the purpose is to cancel sin. How? By the sacrifice of himself. Verse 27, just as man is appointed to die once and after judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once. What is the purpose? To bear the sins of many. And he will appear a second time without sin. That is not to deal with sin because he already dealt with it in the first coming without sin. And what is the purpose of second coming? But for salvation of those who are eagerly waiting for him. Second coming of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that God by a flood destroyed in history all but eight people for their wickedness. A very horrible sight of divine glory. Can you imagine that God of the Bible by fire destroyed all people of Sodom and Gomorrah except three for their immorality. God punishes sinners in their lifetime, at their death, and at the final judgment. The God that we are given revelation in the scriptures is a moral God who saves as well as punishes. The educated fools, especially of the Western world, speak in terms of a closed universe. What they mean is that God is shut out from the universe. He has nothing to do with the universe. It is not open to him. But the truth is, it is an open system, it is an open universe where God acts in history. If there is anything closed, 
and I believe there is something closed, it is the mind of the educated fools closed to God. But all peoples of the world shall face him either as savior or as judge in due time. No philosophical materialism can save anybody from having to face this infinite personal holy God. Let me ask you, where are your parents, relatives and friends who had died? Are they in heaven in God's presence enjoying salvation? Or are they right now experiencing what Jesus said, torment, away from God. It's not myth, it is the truth. I can affirm with certainty that my parents are enjoying God's presence at this moment. In God's plan, there is salvation for those who trust in Jesus and judgment for those who reject him. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Let me read to you from verse 6 through 10. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus they'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. May God help each of you to hear the gospel, the way of salvation today and be saved, what we call the coming wrath of God. First Thessalonians you recently read Verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So the first point is simply very clear, the first coming of Jesus. The first coming of Jesus. And the purpose of the first coming of Jesus is to cancel our sins. How? By his suffering, by his sacrifice. And by his suffering and by his sacrifice, he bore our sins. Reflecting upon Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. The first coming of Jesus. Our text tells us that Christ, the eternal Son of God, entered history in human flesh over 2,000 years ago at the end of the ages at the climax of history 
what we read in chapter 1 verse 2 in these last days ushering in the messianic age to which the prophets were pointing the infinite became finite the immortal became mortal God became man why did the eternal son become man well, the answer is he became man that he may die so turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2 a passage that we dealt with but here he tells us very clearly the purpose of incarnation beginning with verse 14 since the children have flesh and blood he too shared in their humanity what is the purpose so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death and verse 17 for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people he died to set us free from Satan and slavery from death brothers and sisters every sinner is a slave to sin not just the drug addict every sinner is a slave to sin he's a slave to Satan he is a slave to death when Adam sinned he died in him every child of Adam comes into the world dead stillborn spiritually speaking he comes into the world a sinner to live a life of sin and experience death eternal the soul that sinneth it shall die the wages of sin is death and Paul tells us in Romans 5 verse 12 therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all men first Corinthians 15 he says in all in Adam all die even children die every man born is a sinner except Jesus the Son of God who came into history to cancel sin to put a sin to rid of sin to blot out sin, to defeat sin, to expunge sin, to efface sin. How? By his suffering, by his sacrifice, thus he bore our sins away. To pay for our sins by his death in our place. He came into history as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world by his sacrifice of himself his sacrifice of himself once offered on the altar of the cross he came into history to suffer the just wrath of God against us due to our sins our guilt the full cup of God's wrath that was ours was given to him Jesus took that cup and drank 
the foaming wine of divine wrath to the last drop, leaving nothing in it for us. Yes, he came into history to blot out our sins, to cancel our sins. He came as our redeemer, our kinsman redeemer. He came as our substitute. He came as our mediator. He came as our representative. And he took our sins and guilt upon him. And he freely took it. And the Father put upon him, imputed to him our sins and our guilt. And he freely took it. He suffered our punishment of death. He suffered God's wrath that was due us, sir. He was crucified. They buried him. But on the third day, God raised him up from the dead. And as I said before, resurrection of Jesus Christ is the seal, is the proof that God accepted Christ's death as atonement for our sins. By his death, our sins have been cancelled, put away. Buried in the depths of the ocean. <laughs> Threw it behind his back. And he remembers no more. Our sins are paid for, sir. Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. They have been removed from our shoulders. Our sins wearied us. And then we heard the call, come on to me. All those who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He came to cancel sins, to put away our sins. St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. He counted our sins all right, but not against us, but against Jesus Christ, his son. God is holy and just. He must count our sins either against us or by his great plan of salvation against the Son of God, our Redeemer and Mediator, that God may be just and justifier of those who believe in Jesus. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, God made him who had no sin. And the writer to the Hebrews acknowledges that in chapter 4 verse 15 and chapter 6 verse 26, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ our sins were imputed to Jesus and his righteousness is put into our account surprised by joy Now the one who believes in Jesus is righteous. Brothers and sisters are righteous as Jesus Christ himself is righteous. Our sins gone. Not even one sin remains. Not even one sin remains on us sinners to be punished in us. So 
David says, blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never, never, never count against him. Why? Because it was counted against Jesus by our Holy Father. We were cursed, cursed, cursed. Born cursed. We lived a cursed life. But in Christ, brothers and sisters, we are blessed and blessed. And blessed forevermore. And we cannot be cursed. We are a new creation. The old is gone. And new has come. Enemies of God have been made. Beloved children of God. In God's son Jesus Christ. So the writer tells us he came. First to cancel our sins. And they are cancelled, sir. Your sin is gone. Its penalty gone. Its power gone. Its condemnation gone. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Sin is dealt with. Its root and its branches. Death is gone forever. And we live forever. In the life of Christ. We are given eternal life. The infinite holiness of the person of Jesus demands infinite worth of his atonement. So Christ's atonement is effective eternally to all who trust in him, sir. Jesus Christ came into the world 2,000 years ago. The eternal God became man. Why did he come first? To cancel our sins. By bearing it. By suffering for it. By suffering the wrath of God. That was against it. By sacrifice of himself. So we do not bear sins. And its guilt and its punishment and its death not even one sin remains on me unpunished we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God we have peace we have righteousness we have joy we are admitted sir these people are admitted we are admitted to the kingdom of God which is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost may tell you sir death is huge death is terrible death is certain sir but when Christ said from the cross it is finished our sin and death is dealt with forever Jesus came into history first what is it for to cancel sin the mission that was given to Jesus is expressed in chapter 2 of Hebrews verse 9 and uh, verse 10 in bringing many sons to glory that's his mission from the pit of shame he brought us to glory of God 
glory of heaven. And St. Peter says the same thing in terms of the mission of Christ in his first coming. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. From whom we were banished. But Christ brings us to God. That's the second coming of Jesus. The second point. Very simple. And what is the purpose of his second coming? It is stated in the text. He's coming again to end history. History is not cyclical as the Greeks and the Hindus believed. History had a beginning. It will have an end. Jesus Christ is the Lord of history. His first coming marked the beginning of the end of the ages. What we call the last days. His second coming will mark the end of the last days. The end of the end of the ages. What's the purpose of his second coming? Two purposes. Twofold purpose. It is appointed for men wants to die then the Greek word is literally crisis from which we have English word crisis two for purpose one is crisis you speak about crisis well there is a crisis that is awaiting every unbeliever from which there is no escape Crisis is the process of judgment which ends in condemnation and hell. Crisis. The judgment of all who refuse to repent and believe in him and thus escape the eternal judgment. You mocked him, you spat on him, you beat him, you treated his gospel with contempt, the gospel of peace, the gospel of reconciliation, it came to you through a human being and you rejected him. And he's going to come again to produce a crisis from which you can never escape. But also we are told he comes again for the purpose of bringing the fullness of salvation for his people. A soterian unto salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for him. The Bible speaks about saved, being saved, and what? Will be saved when Christ comes again. That is, will be resurrected, will be given a glorious body like unto Christ's glorious body in which we shall see him and commune with him. And enjoy the fullness of salvation that is awaiting for us. I said the mission is to bring many sons to glory, sir. And he's coming again to bring many sons to glory. And God will dwell with them and they with God in a new heaven and a new earth. Where there is no pain and no tears, no parting. But eternal joy. Brothers and sisters, it is said, it is appointed 
for men to die once and then crisis it is appointed that man must die once the question is who made the appointment did any one of you make this appointment as you make doctor's appointment no God made this appointment Adam sinned in him all die must die no don't believe the evolutionary hypothesis that says death is based on natural processes no sir it is based on a divine decree and appointment and this revelation refutes certain ideas of foolish men first the idea of reincarnation there is no reincarnation appointed for men once to die then crisis it refutes the notion of the evolutionary hypothesis and others that death is final we lie we die like dog and that's the end of it no sir appointed for man once to die then crisis because we are told that death is followed by a final judgment men are accountable to God and it refutes another idea that after the death of your father you can help him achieve his salvation by giving money to the church or through your some form of work or your having saints to pray for it's all false totally false God will deal with what you have done in your body whether good or foul there is no other way to deal with your salvation this is why now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation let me tell you who made this appointment God and God will keep this appointment and you shall keep it too though you died saying we die like dogs there is coming a day when he will raise you up from the dead to face him who died on the cross even the judge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ turn with me to the book of John where Jesus makes this point verse 27 28 and 29 chapter 5 of John and he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man he whom you rejected we is going to be the judge because it is the decree of the father verse 28 do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice when he calls you come sir this is effectual call too and he calls you come and come out those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned by the judge even Jesus Christ there is a crisis waiting for you a crisis of death eternal death Samuel Johnson in 1777 said depend on on it sir depend on it sir and a man knows he is to be hanged in a fortnight it concentrates his mind wonderfully 
it is appointed for men to die once. Friends, only a limited number of days are there for us to live. We must die. But we who trusted in Christ, the terror of death is gone. It is over with. We die in faith and appear before the presence of God as my father and mother have done. We must die, sir. The Bible says our times are in his hands, not in your hands. You had no control of your birth and you have no control of your death, sir. It may be today that you die. Old and young must die. May this truth concentrate your mind wonderfully. And the psalmist says, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our heart unto wisdom, that we may live wisely in relation to God. That's what it says. Professor William Provine, a professor of history of science at Cornell, said this, we are produced by a process that gives not one bleep about us. He's going to be disappointed when he comes to this appointment God has made for him. He's coming again to this planet, sir. And he's coming soon. Maybe today. Have you been thinking about his coming again? Which was the blessed hope of the early church. Turn with me to John 14 and listen to what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He came once. He died. He canceled the sin by bearing it himself and suffering for it. He rose, he went through the heavens to the presence of God. Where is he? He is seated on God's right hand as king of kings and as our high priest. And we are told he makes intercession for us. But soon he shall descend to this planet again. Come with me to the book of Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. In chapter 4, now let me read this from verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Will transform our lowly bodies. So that they will be like his glorious body. He will bring many sons to glory. Turn with me to the book of Acts. And listen to what Jesus himself said. Verse 11, chapter 1 of the book of Acts, verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, 
who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you see him go into heaven. Let me tell you, it is going to be a personal coming, the same Jesus. It will be a visible coming. Every eye shall see him. Not some secret stuff. There is nothing secret any place. He was manifested in the first coming. In his birth and life and death and resurrection. And he is going to be manifested in the second coming. So the Greek words are parousia. Apocalypsis, which means unveiling, epiphany, all these words are used to refer to the second coming of Christ. Yes, it will be visible. Revelation 1, 7 and Matthew 24, 30 and 31 tells it, it will be visible. And let me tell you, it will be glorious. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. And all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. You are finished with mocking him and treating him with contempt and plucking his beard and beating him and crucifying him. It is done with. He's going to come in glory. And he's going to come. His coming is purposeful. And we saw that he's coming to church as well as saved. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 2. It's a chapter on judgment. Chapter 2, verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. And verse 16. This will take place. This will take place, sir, in time and space. This will take place on the day when God will judge what is it? Men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. And as he comes you will cry out to the mountains and the hills to fall on us and hide us for because the wrath of the Lamb has come. Our silly understanding of Jesus must be given up, must be replaced with the understanding that we are given in the Holy Scriptures. You can read Matthew 25, 31 through 36, and Revelation 20, beginning with verse 11. There are so many places you could find this twofold purpose judgment and salvation. And at the end of it all, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. And every enemy shall brought, be brought under his feet. He's coming soon. With joy we shall welcome his returning. Brothers, with joy. We shall welcome his returning. Why with joy and not with sorrow? Can anybody answer that question? Because he canceled my sins. By his suffering, by his sacrifice, by his death, he bore my sins away. 
He died my death. He suffered my wrath. He set me from guilt and death. His coming again therefore is not a tragedy. But it is our jubilee. It is our coronation. And it says he is coming. For those unto salvation. For those who are waiting for him. You know our soldiers are there in Iraq. And fighting and getting killed. And disabled every day. And their wives are here in this country. They are separated for 10 months, 12 months, 15 months. And some wives are fornicating every day and hoping that the husband will be killed and never come back. But then there are others who are waiting, who are praying, Oh God, spare him and bring him safely home. They are not committing adultery. They are exercising self-control. They are reading his letters again and again and again and fixing the house and doing everything for that day when he will come to greet him and to be with him. So it is said he is coming for those who are waiting for him. Christ came first to atone for the sins of the elect people of God, those who are given to him to save. Those who since he atoned will repent and trust in Jesus. Every single one for whose sake Christ died will repent and believe and trust in him and wait for him with great jubilation and patience. They will hope in Christ and wait eagerly for his return. They are not waiting idly by, but they are waiting at the same time laboring for the Lord. When they open their mouth, they are speaking about Jesus, our bridegroom. Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus who died for me. We are the bride of Christ. We shall not love the world. We shall love the bridegroom and wait patiently for his coming. A coming that will usher in their eternal joy and everlasting communion. Turn with me to... Second Timothy, which you read recently, chapter 4, verse 8. There are many other verses I can read, but just one. Right before his martyrdom, this is what he said. Verse 6 through 8, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me. Hallelujah store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing the bride of Christ is not busy sinning and dirtying her wedding dress he is not coming again to deal with sin he has already done that in his first coming he is coming again to judge the rebels and grant full salvation to those who trusted in the way of the cross. He's coming to be with his saints forever and we shall be with him forever. Brothers and sisters, friends, are you eagerly waiting for him? In holiness, in righteousness, in love, in hope, in labor? Are you loving Jesus by loving his love letter to you, the word of God? Are you loving him by obeying his commands 
which are not burdensome, we are told. Is prayer to him give you pleasure? Does worship of him gives you exhilaration and sheer thrill? Are you careful with your wedding dress? Or do you drag it through the mud? Do you cry out, Maranatha, Amen, come Lord Jesus. When I see him, I'll be like him. Now let me read again. Second Peter, this is and what he is saying in chapter 3. Let me listen to you, pay attention to it. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, end of history is coming. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt with in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Or First John chapter three verse four, everyone who's uh, chapter three verse three, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. And go home and read Matthew twenty five, one through thirteen, the parable of the ten virgins. If you are his bride, you will love him with all your heart and wait for him, always ready to meet him. Are you a foolish virgin who has no oil in the lamp? Such are false professors in the church. Or are you a wise virgin who took oil in the lamp? Now let me read finally from that chapter to you a little bit. Beginning with Matthew 25 verse 6. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough oil, and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came, Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. You are not my pride. I don't know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. It is my prayer that you may hear from our glorious bridegroom, thou good and faithful bride, enter into the joy of your beloved Lord and not depart from me, you evil doer. There is an appointment we all must keep. His first coming provided us an escape from the wrath of God. Christ died and rose again for our sins and justification. Those who trust in Jesus shall have nothing to be afraid by death or by Christ's second coming. The bride rejoices at the midnight cry. Here is the bridegroom come out to meet him. All shall see him, sir. Some shall rejoice. 
vast majority shall weep and wail. So repent, believe in Jesus, and be eternally saved. Live a holy life, wait eagerly for his coming. He came to cancel sins, he's coming again, that you will be blessed forever with his promise and with his presence. Brothers and sisters, there is no salvation outside Jesus. Brothers and sisters, death can come anytime. Brothers and sisters, Christ can come at any time. So the Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is your time to repent and believe in him. And those who have trusted in him. Our day of jubilee is coming. Our day of coronation is coming. Our day of glory is coming. Heavenly Father, we pray. Thank you for saving us. Save many people. Even today, save your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this sermon entitled, The Second Coming of Jesus Christ. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.